Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly Drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. Yeah, basically we're just regular dudes drinking irregular beers, talking about Magic the Gathering, in particular the online client, MTG Arena. Yeah, in this episode, well, we had a really big announcement this last week, so we're going to talk a bit about that and some other things, but uh, I'll keep that you know, secret for the time being, I guess. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in just a second. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. Yeah, nobody knows. Uh, but first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what's on tap? Okay, I think we're finishing off our tap takeover from left field today. It was uh, probably our biggest one yet. Um, I think we did three or four weeks of this. So um, today wraps that up. We got Hello Friends. This is an IPA. It's six point zero percent and uh ballpark pairings jerk chicken nachos and shrimp po boy mm, i could see those Both at a ballpark awesome yeah yeah shrimp po boys mm, i could see that that seems good makes me want to go to a blue jays game the color scheme on this uh, this can it's like blue uh yeah can't can't wait till they start up again. I don't know what, like, the name Hello Friends has to do with baseball. This might be a, a joke I'm not getting. But. Yeah, is that, maybe it's a, is that a thing people say in baseball? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if that's a thing that they say in baseball, uh, find us on Instagram, check out what this can looks like, and tell us if that's a baseball thing or it's just whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Please explain. Yeah, please explain what that is. We're at Arena Regulars on Instagram. All right. We have some big magic news. Whew, buddy. This week, man. Got a, got a banger. Let's back to our roots here. Yeah, really, really big one. Um, oof. So, Watsy had a big arena economy discussion on Twitch on Thursday. Uh, the day that the new like alchemy cards had come out. They decided they wanted to have an arena discussion, which wasn't an announcement. It was just a discussion about the economy and why it's built that way. Um, and a lot of things were said. And so we thought maybe we should talk a little bit about what's going on because it was just a giant article slash Twitch stream about us and about what we uh, what we do and it kind of all pertained to us and our show. So, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, as usual, Twitter... Twitter made it sound like it was the end of the world. Yes. Just, yes. Yeah. So um, I was able, not able to watch the stream on Thursday because um, I was busy doing things. But uh, I was getting all the information through Twitter and they were really upset, which you're probably... If you have heard about it and didn't watch the stream or read the article, you probably also have very negative feelings about what had transpired. <laughs> So I, I want to break it down a little bit, but Jeff, do you, do you have a good summary of kind of what happened before we go deeper into, into like some of the good things, some of the bad things? Yeah, I think like the big, the general overview that I want to give everyone, if you haven't heard it yet or read it yet, is just to frame it as them starting a discussion. Okay, so this wasn't them coming out and saying, we think the arena economy is the best thing in the world here's why or they weren't saying you know we agree it needs work here's what we're going to do about it and i think a lot of people had those two ideas in their mind thinking that's what watsi was going to do but they never said that right they said they were going to 
talk about the economy. And so this was basically just them trying to give their point of view on the arena economy. Why did they build it the way they built it? What are the types of things they have to think about when building an economy? And what are the things that they are aware of that people want and are thinking about but haven't implemented anything yet? So basically that's all this was, was just a discussion between people who know exactly what people at WOTC are thinking because, you know, they work there, <laughs> um, yeah. and letting us know what that is too. Um, not claiming to fix anything or that it doesn't need fixing, anything like that. It's just their side of the discussion after months of hearing our side. Um, and when we talk about the, the people, these, these people talking, it was Blake Rasmussen, who is the, um, the host of Weekly MTG, which is just their kind of weekly Twitch show, and Chris Kiritz, who is the MTG Arena executive producer. Uh, so they were both talking about this, and it was basically uh, Chris going through and explaining their um, where they came from and how uh, the economy was built, which was essentially their main pillars or like something that's fun, fast, and able to be played kind of anywhere is, is what a lot of their stuff was focused on. And the main idea behind the economy is that new players would be able to get their colored decks or whatever... Um, from the challenges, and then slowly build pieces on as they're building decks uh, to to f collect pieces to make their deck a little bit better. Now, if you are a veteran player like us, uh, you kind of know what decks are and what you want to play, and so you're having this problem of the wild card problem, which we're all aware of, is that uh, we need to get the pieces or get the the cards we need for the decks we want to play. And uh, those can be difficult to get. However, they built the economy to help out newer players slowly accumulate this collection over time that would eventually make them be able to play decks that they have kind of put together. So, as we know, we are probably going to talk about this specifically as it pertains to, like, paper magic. Because a lot of times people go at this discussion talking about what it is, how Arena is different or whatever to other digital card games, while they are not really in the same category. At least they don't, I don't think they really think of themselves as the same category. Is it, do you think that's kind of true? Yeah, I mean, I, the, they're in an interesting position where they do have to, you know, cater to the expectations of the digital, on like the digital card players, but they also, there are so many magic players that they have to consider as well. So um, a lot of new games are like, we're a digital only game. We don't have a fan base already for our card game. We, the expectations we have to meet are set by the industry. Whereas magic, it's like the expectations we have to meet are set by both our current player base and the digital card game industry. Um, which can have some pain points and that's something that chris uh Kiritz talked a bit about is just different pain points in the structure of things um which the main one is usually constructed players don't have a really uh streamlined way to get the cards they need to play the decks they want to play because the way that you get wild cards is by opening packs slowly your wild card wheel goes up until you get a rare wild card if you open six packs and then every six of those is a mythic wild card which was i didn't realize wasn't always the way it worked there wasn't always uh wild cards like that they were just kind of like randomly in packs at first like there was no 
progression. That's a long time ago, but yet originally <laughs> that is how it was. Yeah. But some of these things, um, as, as well as duplicate protection where they brought in the vault, which is kind mm -hmm. of just like an extra thing. It really doesn't do all that much. Um, but these are the kind of things that they have slowly put together. Now we haven't seen a lot of these changes in a while, but it does seem like a lot of the things that they want, we want are on their radar and they will eventually change or at least try. Now, um, some of the, the acquisition of like the amount of wild cards that will be put out there, or, um, they were talking, like a lot of people have said, Hey, I want, um, to make my common and uncommon wild cards should be able to be traded up for rare and mythic ones, you know, like whatever, yep. four or eight or 16 uncommon wild cards to, to make one rare one. They were basically, they answered the question, uh, they are not going to do that. And if, <laughs> and the reason is because they would have to restructure how they give out common and common wild cards because they give out so many right now, which we know because yeah. we have a, you, everyone has a ton. And, and that's a good point that I think anyone who is, you know, interested in this discussion should sort of just make peace with right now is that this discussion isn't about making the game cheaper. Watsi has decided how much this game costs. They have done analysis. They have a bunch of data. I understand that a lot of people feel it's uh, oppressively expensive, but they need to get, like they've decided on this price point, essentially. The economy is then built to return that price point, mm -hmm. to get them that amount of money that they've decided this game costs. So anytime they do something that is better for us, the players, such as letting us trade in common and uncommon wild cards for rares, that will come at a cost somewhere else. The game will remain as expensive for us. It's just about how it feels. Are there feel bad moments in the economy? Are there, and it's, I'm not saying that stuff's not important, but I'm saying it comes from somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, you will be get, getting less, fewer wild cards if you are allowed to trade wild cards in for better ones. There's yes. no other way for them to do it. They're mm -hmm. not just going to give us, they're not just going to stop, like lower their own profits so that somebody can have more fun. You know, that, and, and they shouldn't. That's not how capitalism works. So they've decided, they understand if they make the game cheaper, they get more players, but they've done the analysis that those extra players aren't going to make, you know, the, the marginal cost isn't there. So this is what the game costs. If they give us some sort of, system like that then it comes from somewhere else now that yeah. doesn't mean we can't optimize the system so that there are fewer feel bad moments or it's like more even cost distribution so it's not like the bad players are funding the game for the good players kind of thing which is mm -hmm. one of the criticisms of the economy that the good players get to play for free and it's at the expense of the bad players stuff like that um, all of that can be changed, but the bottom line for WotC is, is the bottom line. And so anything, there's push and pull here. Anything you want as a feature, it's going to come at the expense of some other, some yeah. other feature. And we're saying this just as a courtesy or just kind of like as a reminder. We're not necessarily <laughs> on the side of WotC and we hope WotC makes the most money. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying that that right. is the reality of what the world we live in is. And if you're upset with that reality... Yeah. That is everywhere. It is not just this. So I, I, that is a bigger problem than just the card game. So 
you might have to look at that and, and, and it's see. well outside yes it's it's just the world that we live in which it can be frustrating and maybe not what we ultimately like but it is the world that we live in and it is the game that we play and we get to decide how much we engage with that so if that changes how much you want to engage with the game um that's your decision and you're welcome to do that you are welcome to do whatever you'd like so one of the things that i think is interesting when you're so you're talking about it, the money will come from somewhere. If they give you free stuff, they'll take it from something else. So people have been asking, can we just streamline getting wild cards? Can we just buy wild cards straight out, have them um, in our accounts? And Watsi said, yes, you can. They are now going to introduce a new wild card bundle that you can get from the store starting in New Capena, I think. They're gonna do this for six weeks. It's a six week period of time where they're going to allow you to buy 12 rare wild cards and four mythic rare wild cards for $49.99 USD. That's only, only real money. You can't use gold or gems to get those and you are able to get those wild cards. <sighs> that is very expensive. So I'm surprised, I'm surprised they did this because, okay, so one of the features or features, you know, I say features like it's a good thing, but mm -hmm. one of the aspects of these free to play economies is that it, it's, they're always designed in a way that it's very difficult for you to attribute a dollar amount to something because there are multiple different con, uh, currencies that exchange at different rates, depending on what you're using those currencies for. And so only the masterminds behind the computers at Watsi actually know, you know, they have metrics for what a gem is worth in dollars and what a thousand gold is worth in dollars and stuff. But it's, it's meaningfully obtuse. It's intentionally obtuse so that the players have a hard time internalizing that. And so when they did this, it's just like they're telling you how much a wild card is, is worth. And a lot of people are going to be surprised because that, that means the economy was working. It was, it was masking how much a, a wild card is. And now they've just told us and everyone mm -hmm. is outraged because yeah. it's more expensive than they thought. And yeah, it is much more expensive than I thought. <laughs> I thought that you would yeah. get at least a deck's worth, like, like a top tier right. deck or like a, a meta deck, right? You would think that you'd be able to spend $50 to, to get enough pieces for that. And, uh, not always the case in this situation. So um, that's like five play sets, like a four rare play sets and then one mythic play set. Um, or no, 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 sorry. Right, the Three. reality is a bit closer to like 100 to, 100 to 150 is what gets you a deck, seems like. Yeah, um, which in... You know, depending on how many dual, rare dual lands you need and all and that stuff. And all that stuff. Um, Sorry, it's even less. So sorry, I was saying it's it's more. It's four play sets of cards, but um, right, three three rare three, play sets, three rare and mythic. So um, this just means that like the one big thing that they said about this, and if you're outraged, great, don't buy it. You don't have to buy it. Don't buy it. Don't yeah. buy it. Because <laughs> what they said yeah. is that they want to do it for six weeks, and then after the six week period, they will reevaluate what it is or what they're going to offer. Now, if you think that this is outrageous, please don't buy it. Do something else. Continue to buy the gems you are doing or, or don't spend any money or, or whatever. But please, <laughs> but don't complain about how much the wild cards cost and then pay for it. Because that will tell Watsi exactly. that it's a, an appropriate price because you'll still buy it. Now, the question I had was, 
how much would $50 US, how many packs would that get me? So I think that $50 in packs, um, as wild card counts go, I think you get like nine rare wild cards and like um, two, one or two mythics or something, plus all the cards in the packs. Okay. Um, I, yeah, but and how many packs is that? I think it's like, like 45 like or, right? Yeah. 45. Which is worse right, than... 100 bucks is about 90 packs. It's like 90, yeah. yeah. So, but you have to spend 100 for that. Mm-hmm. So the $50 option is probably less than 45, right? But um, if you if you wanted to not just spend... I only have $50. Exactly. That's what I'm going to spend. So that's a lot of cards you're missing out on. You get your, your 16 as opposed to your 12 you know, wild cards. But then you're missing something to the effect of 40 rares and mythics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're down like 37 rares and mythics. Exactly. With like the possibility of more wild cards in all those uh, packs you opened. Um, yeah. Which is a good time to segue that they were talking about a big thing with uh, magic in general is just like the fun of opening packs. So they wanted to make sure that packs were fun to open on Arena as, as fun as they are open Sorry, as fun as they are to open in paper, right? They have an entire division. I don't know if they succeeded on that. No, 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 no. They have an entire division at Wizards. It's a lot more fun to open a paper pack. (laughs) That, like, all they do is, like, do booster fun stuff, which is all the different treatments and the set boosters and the list and the collector boosters. Right. It's insane, right? Now, in Arena, we don't have that. It's shorter. But the fun of opening a pack is just seeing how close you are to the next wild card, essentially. That's what I'm looking at. I'm like, oh... Okay, so if I open three more packs, and if I the, my prize packs equal the amount that I needed for the uh, the the wild card wheel to go all the way around, I'm really happy. Um, but that's about as excited I get for packs. Um, but it kind of brings into their discussion that uh, they won't ever do dusting of of cards, which is something that people have been talking about a lot. And Jeff, I know you have some thoughts about dusting specifically. Yeah. So. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, if we haven't explained this before, dusting is like, let's say I I have my rares, I have um, whatever four Kazandu mammoth, and and all I play is standard, so standard comes around and Kazandu mammoth, you know, rotates out in a year, and I don't want them anymore because I don't I don't play that format. The idea of dusting is I could convert those into some amount of resources. Certainly not like everyone would give me a rare wild card. They would never do that. But I can sell them back to Arena, essentially, for some amount. I, they leave my collection, and I get some some amount of gold or gems or wild card. It's, you know, maybe whatever. I, I get For the whole playset, I get one rare wild card or something. Um, <clears throat> yeah, watsi has been clear they're not going to do this and their stated reason is um that it's it's feel bad basically the idea is it's feel bad that you don't want to like you know get rid of all these cards and then some awesome historic deck comes out that requires four kazandu mammoth and, and now you feel really bad for having dusted your kazandu mammoth which i definitely understand like i, I don't think that's the whole reason that's not the whole reason they're not going to do it but as far as a stated reason goes, I think that's totally reasonable. As anyone, if anyone's played any of those other games with dusting, you're always like so hesitant to do it because the rate is so poor in order for the, the mechanic to work at all um, that it really does feel bad to do it. Uh, 
and then the the other thing is like magic in particular has a lot of cards that aren't intended for everybody that's the design of the game you know this card's only good if you're playing brawl and this card's only good if you're playing rare uh you know standard and sometimes there's no overlap and for this game in particular dusting would be very expensive for them to do and like i mentioned earlier it has to come from somewhere so if you're getting dusting as a feature in arena you're going to really hate what happens to the economy in almost every other place. Well, the other thing that they had mentioned is that they don't want to dust because they don't want, like you were saying, the feel-bads. And the conversation to go around, um, instead of what should I build, it's what should I destroy. And going on for, right. like, maybe if you're in a franchise player, you know what deck you want to play so you can get rid of the cards you don't need for that and just build the the deck that you want however if you're a newer player or like a kind of intermediate you don't know you have to like post your your whole collection to like reddit or something is their example saying which cards should i get rid of to build a deck that i need exactly and then all people are talking about is destroying it um and also the fact that they their quote-unquote dusting system is like kind of in front of instead of in the back end so they're they're kind of equating the wheel for your wild cards when you open packs is like each pack gives you one sixth of a rare or a wild card so that is kind of their version of dusting where it's like we're just giving it to you on the front end instead of making you do it on the back end right um and the vault too and the vault you know if i have draft a card that i already have four of i get a little vault progress towards wild cards mm -hmm. Which so sort of like dusting the extras. Exactly. Which takes a very long time. And if you think the vault to be very like, oh, whatever, it's like kind of just a bonus. Yes, it is a very much of a bonus. And that would probably be the amount you'd get if you dusted that card. Like imagine how right. much it, it, bullshit. Exactly what, yeah. It would be just, it would be a obscene amount of cards you'd have to dust just to get one rare wild card. So just, just know that. Also, I think personally, like... If you if people play paper out there, I don't really love selling my cards. I even have a hard time trading my cards because I tend to have emotional <laughs> connections with them. Um, this is a card I opened at a pre-release. I went 0-3, but I still opened it at a pre-release. And I, I kind of like having that around. Um, so I have the same feeling where I'm like, even if it's really good, I don't really want to sell it right now because I just, I don't really want, I don't, I, it just feels bad if I might need it later, Right. And that's a big thing to, exactly. in my personal paper collection. So a thing that I actually really liked about Arena is that you always have the cards forever and you never have to get rid of them. So I know a lot of people were saying that this is kind of a, a stupid, like, it's like a fake reason. The feel-bads are a fake reason. Personally, to me, I don't know if there's other people out there that feel this way, but I personally understand the feel-bads and... It was something I was attracted to about the game because it didn't have that aspect. No, it's a very real reason. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people that are saying that it's not, a, that it's a fake reason aren't approaching it from the lens of a new player. Uh, like, when you're a new player and you don't know what the good cards are, like, you don't want to have to get rid of some cards that, you know, maybe you don't think they're good, but they are. Like, it's just, it's mm -hmm. an extra layer of decisioning that is already so much for them to dis like do so many decisions for them to make, you know, because instead of just what cards do I craft, it's what cards do I craft and which cards do I get rid of in order to craft? Yeah. And like, honestly, a lot of the player base would be like, how many more rare lands can I, can I dust 
to get some cool dragon. Yeah. <clears throat> because that's right. a real issue with our game is that um, <clears throat> it can take a long time to realize how important your mana base is, um, which we may talk a little bit about later uh, when we get down the line. But um, uh, another thing I wanted, I just wanted to talk about good things that came from the stream though. So this is a kind of like the hard hitting economy things. Like, yes, this is what it's like, but there are some things that they're hearing that they called, like I mentioned before, pain points, where the best way to get a collection on Arena is by opening packs and because when you open packs, you get wild cards. And the best rewards that you get in the game come from drafting. Because when you draft, you get to open packs. Now, when you open packs in the draft, that doesn't help your wild card thing. But the prizes are in gems and in packs. So if you 7-0, you, you get a bunch of gems, uh, basically your whole uh, entry fee, plus six packs, which is enough for a wild card, which is kind of what a lot of people are going for, right? Now, if you're a purely constructed player and you don't ever want to draft, you solely have to get cards by just opening packs in the game. And all the constructed events don't pay you out in gems or packs. They only pay you out in gold and um, ICRs, uh, individual card rewards. Mm -hmm. So one thing they talked about wanting to do is change that make those events better and closer to the limited events so that if you're a strictly constructed player, you would still have a good way of making a collection just like a limited player. Because right now there's kind of this weird imbalance of like all these limited players have a ton of packs and wild, or wild cards that they don't want to use because they just want to draft. And then all the constructed players are like, I don't have a really good way of gaining more collection. Like... It just costs money, just straight mm -hmm. money, um, which I think is great. And they also hinted at some of those events may be helping out, you know, kind of onboard you to the new OP system that we're going to get an announcement about later this month. So, oh, okay. It, cool. it, a constructed event on Arena that's best of three that pays out gems and packs slash invitations to real tournaments, that is... Very exciting. <laughs> I don't know. The dream. That seems really That's good, right? Um, so that was one little nugget that I found in the stream that was like, wow, that seems great. Like, Jeff, I know you play a lot of Constructed and build a lot of brews and stuff, which can be hard with the arena economy yeah. brewing specifically. Um, but did, did you do a lot of those, like, Constructed events, the, the like, just the ones we have? No. Mm -hmm. No. So the only Constructed events that I've found to be, like, really high... EV. So we'll say EV a few times, probably. It's just expected value. It's like, if a, if an event is expensive and has shitty prizes, that's a low EV event, because you're not expecting to get very much out of it, other than the, you know, the enjoyment of playing in the event. Fun! And, yeah. <laughs> Another way to say what, you know, Zach was saying they were talking about is that draft events are just higher EV in general than constructed events currently. Um, but I found the metagame challenges are pretty good for... Mm -hmm. Like metagame challenges can be a pretty good way to farm your collection, uh, but you already kind of need to have access to a tier one deck in order to take advantage of that because uh, that's that's the easiest way to win one of those things is to, <laughs> to bring a tier one deck that mm -hmm. you know Seth Manfield built instead of one that you built. Um, but I found those have been pretty good because the entry level like entry cost is cheap enough, and then the 
prize payout is is like really high in packs, so you get a lot of wild cards if you do well with one of those. And so that's how I tend to build my collection is drafting and playing in those events when they come around. And I pretty much never play any other constructed events. Okay. Well, there may be some more constructed events that we're interested in because either that or um, something that just is a queue all the time. But uh, Chris uh, Kiritz was talking about um, a way that they want to mitigate the expense of the game is that we have more free events where like you get to play the cards without mm-hmm. having them in your collection to see test drive them to see if you actually like them enough to use your resources on which is good because a lot of the time like you want to build these decks just because they look fun and then you play it once and you're like oh it's not really fun or oh that card doesn't actually do what i thought it did i just wasted four rare wild cards on a play set of this thing that sucks um so he was mentioning that uh, like they do those kind of all access things for like standard and historic and alchemy had one this last week or is going to have one or something. I can't remember, uh, with the new cards or, or little free events where you, mm-hmm. you have, uh, they had an alchemy one that was like the, they had pre-constructed decks with the, some of the new alchemy cards. So you could test them out to see if you like them and stuff. Um, which made me not really like that comedy of transmutation. I was like, oh, this card's not very fun. Um, uh, of course it was probably <laughs> not really good in that deck, but in any case, Chris was kind of mentioning that like they're hoping that at some point there will be a queue that what they don't really know exactly what it's going to be and when it's going to happen. But he would kind of like the idea of like you can build a deck that doesn't have with cards that aren't in your collection and basically goldfish it against like Sparky or something just to play it through to see if you like it. And so you'd still be able to play those cards and be like, oh, does this pattern work? Does the card work the way I think it does? sweet it does or oh shoot it doesn't i either will or won't craft that um which i think that's kind of a smart little like a little playground like you can't you're not really playing the deck because you're not getting rewards or anything but um it does let you test things out to see like oh do i this venture fun and then you're like oh maybe it's not that fun maybe i won't craft a whole bunch of venture cards until they get rebalanced (laughs) you know so yeah and that's a great way of of what we were talking about earlier just like not really changing the economy in a super meaningful way. I mean, wizards would have better, like they would have precise data on how much a change like this would like cost them in terms of people spending less wild cards. Um, I bet it's pretty small, but it, it removes the feel bad of it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it may, it gives it the illusion of being a lot better. Cause like you got to do your research before buying, you got to, you got to, try it out and then buy the cards that you wanted rather than, you know, uh, shoot, uh, you know, I got smoked three times in a row and I just spent 16 wild cards and I'm just not going to play anymore. Yeah. So and then literally I'm sure stop. in the long run, it'll make them more money cause you'll spend, mm-hmm. you'll keep going. So it's a, it's a way for them to shift the numbers around without actually, you know, taking any, taking any real losses, but make it feel a lot better for us. Mm-hmm. Their goal is to make a really fun game that you're engaged with and really like and enjoy and continue to play and continue to have invest, like invest money into it. But also like they need players to stick around. Like even if like you're a player that is, you know, fairly intermediate and don't spend a ton of money on the game, you just playing the game is good for them because there might be little incremental things or who knows, you know, 
it's not going to cost them very much for you to like play a whole year and only spend $50 at some point throughout the year or whatever, a hundred or whatever you spend on the game and you get to play the whole time. They're just happy that you're playing because they need players that enjoy the game and are, are doing well. So happy players is good for them. That's not, they don't, they're not just trying to make it so we don't like the game. Right. I don't know. <laughs> that's why they made alchemy so that they they had a problem where standard kept feeling stale for digital players so they're like, let's make a new format where that doesn't happen, where we can change things. Like, they are trying to help the player base. <laughs> they are listening and, like, trying to find solutions. Um, now, people will always be frustrated with those solutions because they think that they could do it better. But that's always going to happen with everything. So what are you going to do? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and the thing I always have to remind people is, like, they have the data and the analysis, you know, and you always see it. That's why I, I wanted to bring it up. It's like, you always see so many posts. If they just made the game cheaper, more people would play and they'd, they'd make more money. It's like, it's easy for you to just throw that comment out there. Mm -hmm. But I suggest to you that they've probably thought of that and probably did some actual analysis instead of just how they feel about it like you just did in 30 seconds like they actually mm -hmm. looked into that like they're not idiots they have a team of analysts deciding how much to charge for everything they understand the very basic concept that if it's cheaper more people will want to buy it and they've decided it's not worth it it's not yeah. enough more people <laughs> like it's the same thing with like collector boosters or set boosters or whatever you feel about them it's like yeah those cost a lot but it also costs them a lot of money like how many times do you get like an email or there's a post where like one of those things products is delayed in certain countries or whatever because they have to like have this balancing act of printing cards in different countries or different places and getting them packaged and like sent to different wherever that is definitely not easy <clears throat> and it would be a lot easier or probably cheaper for them to not do those things but they have realized that people will still buy them no matter what and want it very badly it's pretty much no matter what so <laughs> <laughs> if you're like against those things that's perfectly fine you can be against those things but um you you can't also buy those things. different games have yeah different business models yeah so it's like they they didn't just choose it half haphazardly and then go get a beer you know they they have a team that works on it so yeah they figured out what's going to be best for them given the tons and tons of data that they have it's just like, so because Magic has always been a trading card game and the expensive part of the game is collecting the, the pieces you need to play the game, that's like, it, whatever form of Magic you play, that's the expensive thing, right? Um, however, you can spend more money to get all the cosmetics for that. So it translates over to a digital card game in the sense that you still, like, they're focused mainly on you collecting all the cards as opposed to other digital card games, which are like, the cosmetics and your pets and your avatars or all those things in your sleeves or whatever, those are the really flashy, expensive FOMO things that you want while you might get some more of the pieces, but the things that you players actually want to spend their money on are all those cosmetics. It's kind of like League of Legends where you pick your favorite character, but you want every skin for that character or all the special stuff that isn't really important to the yeah. game. Magic is has some of those aspects, but for the most part you need to spend all of your resources on like collecting all the pieces to play the game, um, which is a good thing to remember. Spend your resources very wisely and know that if you're running out of like pieces to play the game, cards, don't buy the, the I don't know, emote or, I mean, emotes are fun. We love emotes, but like 
You don't have to buy the avatar or like the special. But you don't have to buy. You don't have to buy them. You don't have to buy the card style that is like the cool version of whatever card you may not. You don't play. need like your sixth skin for basic lands. You know, mm -hmm. like it's fine. <laughs> you have some cool basic lands already. Just use those. Yeah, and even if you didn't buy any skins, you pro you have a lot of options for cool looking basic lands. Yeah, it's true. Or you maybe you'll win some in events and things like that, um, which mm -hmm. I also heard that they were going to implement the thing that they've been missing for so long, which is being able to pick your favorite basic land styles. And whenever you oh, add it, God. they're adding that, which also will help the duress problem where you'll be able to click on a card and then like go through all the different arts of it, as opposed to, that's what I'm assuming that that's, this is what that's saying. Then having yeah, to do it each time. Um, so that will be a function in the game, which will then solve a lot of other problems that we had. So it's coming. That's going to be so great. So great. I'm so tired of copying deck lists and having to throw the basic lands out and then scroll all the way to each single basic land that I want. It's to the point where like I don't even do that anymore. Like, I'm just like, fuck it. Who gives a shit? I like, I spent money on those freaking lands, which I love. And not until I like played the deck enough to be like, okay, I should switch out the lands, but... If I copy a deck list from the internet, I don't want to change any. I don't want to have to change the lands. It's just exactly what I was going to say. I, it's like a thing where my decks have to earn it, you know? Yeah. Like once the deck has has passed, you know, surpassed my expectations, like, all right, you've earned the, the right basic lands. Uh, or if I draft a, like a really shit deck, I'm just like, nope, you don't. You don't deserve those basics. You, you just get the <laughs> stock basics for the <laughs> for, for this the format because. I don't think it's worth my time to like go through and click all the right basics in when I'm going to be out in three games. Yeah. See, what <laughs> happens to me is that I spend all the time getting the basics in my draft deck and then the deck ends up sucking. I thought it was amazing. And then I <laughs> spent the time to put the lands in. It sucks. I don't add the lands. Yeah. I do a lot better. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Come on. The lands are distracting you. They're distracting me. I'm getting too excited. <laughs> Um, before I do have a couple more comments that I do want to talk about with this announcement. I know we've been talking a lot about yeah. it, but some important things we haven't gotten to yet, but Jeff, where are you on your beer? I just don't know. I can't, I haven't seen your beer in a while, so I don't. Oh yeah, I'm done. Okay, perfect. So I'm just going to finish this. Let's go to a beer break and then we can wrap everything up. How, how's that sound? Yeah. See you on the other side. All right. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over at Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener, but if you want to support the show even more, the best way to do that is over at our Patreon. And when you become a patron, you get an exclusive invite to our after party, which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one where we uh, talk about stuff, you know, other things. Plus, you get to vote on which host you agree with more by either buying me a beer or buying me a beer. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host right now. All right, Zach, what do we got to, to round out left field? This is the first left field beer I ever drank. Um, so it's fitting that it's the, the last one. Is your the first one you ever had too? I think so. It's the first one I remember. They used it's to have this. I had one before. But. Yeah, they used to have this on tap at the um, game shop we used to go to and draft every week, which is where I met Jeff. Uh, so this is one of the beers. Probably I had it there for the first time. This, That's, yeah, um, this is that's probably uh, why I remember it too. Left Field's Ephus, which is an oatmeal brown ale. It is five point five percent, and its ballpark pairing is pulled pork sandwiches and roasted peanuts. Hmm, that's a good one. Roasted peanuts. Oh, 
That's a that's yeah. a real baseball thing. That's an absolute classic ballpark food. Oh, for sure. Um, I did have to look this up because I did not know what EFIS meant. And I spent a lot of the time just being like, oh, EFIS. Yeah, I don't really know. Is that a baseball thing? And then later I found out that it was a baseball brewery. And I just I, I just was like, well, I don't know what EFIS is. So I looked at Do you know what EFIS is before I tell you? <laughs> I do not. Okay. I do not. So apparently EFIS is a slow pitch that travels in a high arc. So it's a literal baseball pitch. They call it... Huh. The EFIS is a challenge to throw effectively. Um, so Yeah, it sounds like it would be hard to do. Yeah, as are all baseball throws, because they all seem crazy and weird. Hey, <laughs> yeah. hold this one with your knuckles. Like a That'll be hard to hit. Underarmed, uh, that's Maybe. Ephus, if I underarm it Ephus? at my softball league. <laughs> yeah, because it goes really high. That's and, slow and high. I don't know. It seems really strange to me, but there you go, EFIS. Um... But uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry, I just saw the Urban Dictionary version, which is not uh, not about baseball. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's for the after party. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to know what the what EFIS means in Urban Dictionary, well, I guess you could just look it up, but we might talk about it in the after party. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's get back to talking about some of this announcement, but also economy on Arena and tips that may help you make the most out of your gem slash gold slash wild card slash game. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. So one thing, I, I should take a sip first. I, I've been talking so much, I haven't taken a sip. Here you go. Mm. <sighs> Ephus. Um, so one thing that they were talking about uh, that was really big and kind of got jumped over a little bit uh, that people are kind of talking about, but not a ton, is that they are looking at Arena as a four-constructed format game or, or a program. So right now we only have three of them, and we're waiting on the fourth, which means we're getting a new format in the next month or two, um, which they said, yes, you're definitely getting it in the next month or two. Right. So the idea is that they want to have uh, the four formats, which is two that are rotating, one that mirrors tabletop, and one that is digital only, and then two non-rotating formats, one that mirrors tabletop, and one that is digital only. So right now, right. we are just missing the non-rotating format that mirrors tabletop. We've been talking about Pioneer for a really long time. That's right. Sort of what Historic was originally meant to be, mm -hmm. until they just... They just took it a different way. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> yeah, Historic was originally just a non-rotating format where you could use any of your cards on Arena, basically. Um, and this, with the advent of all of these digital-only cards, Historic kind of, kind of fell off the deep end a bit into its own thing, and they started adding, you know, Historic Horizons Jumpstart and stuff like that. So my understanding is that they're going to, sort of replace, or not replace it, sorry, the whole point is that they're not replacing it, but create a new format that is what the original goal for Historic was, because there are a lot of people that are sort of upset that Historic has gone this direction. A lot of people love it, for sure, but some people really wanted that original vision for it of just a, you know, run-of-the-mill, non-rotating format uh, where I can use all my cards on Arena and I don't have to keep up with all of these crazy supplemental digital only products 
to mm-hmm. worry about, you know, balance changes and stuff like that. And all that stuff. And not only that, but I do think Historic went off the rails with the first Historic anthology. Um, mm-hmm. Because that was also like, hey, here's a bunch of random cards that you don't remember are in the format because they weren't originally in the sets that are on Arena. Um, so to be fair, it's been a long time coming of Historic is just Historic. We just, it's just its own thing. Um, new format that is coming out in the next one to two months. I'm really excited for the details. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know exactly what it is. Is it just like standard legal sets mm-hmm. that are on Arena are legal in this format? You know, that kind of thing. Because that'd be pretty sweet. I think that'd be sweet. I mean, I can't play Auras, really. It'll be shittier. <laughs> but um, but I am excited for it. That does seem pretty sweet. And they did mention that they are not working on any more remastered sets. So that does lead me to how, how is Pioneer getting on here? A lot of people are kind of, they didn't say right. anything about Pioneer, really. Um, but like, that's something they wanted to work towards. So they said that they just didn't want to say what the name of this one is, if it has a different name, if that might just like, like, would that possibly just replace Pioneer and Paper? If we're like, hey, this is almost, it's Pion, it's, people are saying Pionish, like, kind of Pioneer, but, yeah. like, missing um, pre-Kaladesh cards. But you'd have to add the rest of the Kaladesh cards, right? That's what I was going to say, right? Like, even then, it would technically be different because they didn't put everything in the remastered set. So, here's, I'm still hoping, Dubious Challenge, going to be playable on Arena at some point. Hey. It's possible, man. Um, yeah. It's possible. So we will uh, we'll we'll have to see with that. Um, but we do know very little about it, to be honest. Whatever it's going to be is that it will not change, and it will just have like the normal balling. Ba- sorry, it will have the normal bannings and no rebalancing and all that kind of stuff. But that's cool. I mean, it does seem like a piece that we've been missing for a while, and a lot of people were upset that Historic got changed because of um, alchemy stuff, and this is the first time they've really talked about it, so that's great. Um, also, they were mentioning that uh, if the rebalanced cards rotate out of alchemy, so whenever we, we go around and it's like, oh, Goldspan Dragon and Owen's Epiphany are out of standard, so they can't be alchemy playable... They might just, yeah. just they might just decide to make them full powered again and historic and be like they're back and then it's just like they're oh, not rebalanced anymore. <laughs> um, they said that that's yeah. something that they've thought about whether that will actually happen or whether it'll happen to all the cards. They don't really know. They're they're gonna play around with it whenever they get to a rotation where that matters. So they just aren't devoting any energy towards it at the moment, but. That is one of the thoughts. So be nice if they only undid nerfs and not like leave buffed cards alone. Mm-hmm. Like make everything the more powerful version, basically. That would be cool. I, I I'm sure people would. I think that that's what they would probably do. I don't think they would go just only go to the original ones, but um, but yeah, because yeah. there's no reason that Dungeon Descent needs to go back to what it was <laughs> or is. Yeah, we, we need to to put that back to the outrageous printing values they put on that thing <laughs> like so many hoops to jump through it still like sucks four mana and you needed a legendary creature what is this and it enters taps <laughs> fuck you this card sucks it doesn't yeah. even tap for colors fuck you <laughs> it never it never had a chance no it like it doesn't really want to be in the triumphant adventurer deck because it can't cast triumphant adventure on turn two anyway right yeah <sighs> 
anyway, um, but uh, but yeah, those are a lot of the big exciting announcements that we're getting. Like um, we're we're getting. I'm just what I basically wanted to say through this whole thing is that yes, there was kind of this weird thing where we got to know the real value of wild cards and we feel kind of bad about it. But if that's the only thing that you're taking away from this announcement, there's a lot of gold that's not literally gold or gems, but like there's a lot of good things that came out of this. Um, a lot of like a, some good announcement stuff uh, that was kind of snuck in there <coughs> that some of it was almost on accident. And um, I was just uh, happy that they do want to open this discussion and this will not be the last one we'll have. Um, so um, if you're still upset, you can be definitely vocal about it. Make sure that you vote with your dollars and your gems uh, so that they can see that feedback. I also think there's a survey out right now right now on Wizards uh, on Watsi. Uh, go complete those surveys. Tell them what you think because they do listen to stuff. So they yeah. are still trying to make the best thing. So, hey, they just have to make sure that they make a profit. Yeah, and like you were saying, you know, us knowing... What, how they value a wild card in terms of dollars. You know, the number they chose might make us sad, but it is still a positive. This is a good thing. They didn't, you know, they've told us now, hey, we're, we think wild cards are worth this much. And we can say, hey, that's too expensive, just to reiterate, by not buying it. Mm-hmm. Don't. <laughs> don't. Don't buy it and then go fill out the survey and say it's too expensive. That's not helpful. If you think mm-hmm. it's too expensive, there's one surefire way to let them know that is by not buying it (laughs) you vote with your dollar at everything you do just in in your entire life but if you want to talk about this specifically vote with your your dollar and your gems and the things that you do they see how many entries you go in on different events if you like the free events play them you know all that kind of stuff if you like the all access stuff play them they see that they see how many people do what stuff so and that's really important to them with that being said i think we've done a pretty good job covering the entire announcement and i hope everyone is still with us because we do have some tips that we want to reiterate we've mentioned these before but it has been probably over a year since we've really talked about it yeah. Um, do for an update do for an update I think we have a couple things that are due for an update so maybe we should start working our way through some <laughs> old stuff uh, just to you know get it going again um, but uh, like we said before as everything stands at this moment before all the changes have happened the best way to play arena is to have a large collection and the best way to have a large collection is by drafting play limited Play, so play lots of limited, get, you know, I'm not going to say you have to, you know, get really, really good at limited. It's the only way, but it's the best way. So, and you'll get good just by playing and you'll, you'll pick up cards just by playing. Sometimes you'll be able to uh, take advantage of the season reset and, you know, maybe play at a lower bracket than you're used to, build up some, some uh, gems before you start to lose them all at least Mm -hmm. that's what happens to me the usual you know flow of these things is that uh i get relegated i start winning a little more i build up a bunch of gems and then i blow them all but uh yeah drafting just is the best way to do it and we've said it before but you want to use gold whenever you can so you want to like build up to ten thousand gold try not to use it on anything else and then use it to draft because the drafting will not only convert that gold into gems for you, 
as we mentioned, it's the, the events that pay out gem prizes and, and take gold entry, uh, but also just build your collection while you draft. And when we're talking about drafting, usually we're talking about the premier drafts, which is against other humans, mm-hmm. um, because the prize payout is uh, better for you. So basically, uh, you kind of break even at four wins. If you get if you go four and three, I always say that's a great draft because that draft costs like a yep. hundred gems or like a, a bit of gold or whatever. Um, and if you get five wins, right. then you made your money back and more. So big ups. Yeah. When you play the bot drafts, which are the uh, I, are they just called bot drafts? I actually don't really know. I can't remember what they're called. Um, I think they're called. Are they called quick drafts? Or quick drafts. Else? That's what it's called. Quick drafts. So a quick draft is against computers. The entry fee for a quick, quick draft is cheaper, but to break even, to make your money back, you have to get five wins, and then six wins will be enough to get more than your money back. Um, I, I think five wins is like a little bit less than what you actually put in. Six is you actually get money out of it. So that's why we like the ones against players. Uh, with a whole other host of reasons why we like the player ones better. But if you're specifically just talking about trying to make your account better and get a bigger collection, if you can get your money back from a draft, you convert your gems into gold or sorry, you're sorry. Don't do that. When you convert your gold into gems yeah. uh, and then you make your money back through that, you basically get a free draft and then you can just draft again and then try to continue to keep going. People call it going infinite, uh, which could be a goal of yours, but also um, through that process of just you're gonna you just get so much back that it doesn't really feel like you're you're blasting through your gems so quickly. Unless you have a, a really bad day like I had yesterday, where I drafted three times and only had two wins through the entire <laughs> thing. Um, so it happens. It sucks. It happens. Uh, where you get, you go on a bad stint, but luckily I had built enough that I'm not just completely out of drafting. But I did get turned off a little bit for a while. I was like, woof, this did not go well. I thought these decks were good. Nope, they were... I, I was also just playing bad. But anyway, um, so it happens to all of us. It does suck, but uh, you can get back up on your horse and just keep going if you, if you do that. But anyway. I think there's like a poker concept about how much stake you need relative to the blinds in order to to be comfortable it's like even if you assume you're the best player at the table you still want a crazy amount of bankroll because even if you're the best you could it still happens that you lose 10 times in a row and it's just like Mm -hmm. you so if you only brought 10 times the the blinds for your bankroll or whatever 10 times the minimum bet uh then you're gonna there's a decent chance you run out of money even if you're the best player at the table so the number i forget you could look it up and if i try to quote you know give you the number i'll be wrong but you can look it up and it's always way higher than you think and it's just because of these it's always possible to hit 10 tails in a row that's just a Mm -hmm. thing that's gonna happen sometimes like (laughs) uh just you know try to pull your bootstraps back up and um another thing we usually say is that if you are buying into you're actually putting money into the game, um, which all of us do at some point or another. I guess not all of us, but like for the majority of everyone, there you put some money in. It's better to spend the $100 bulk buy gem thing mm-hmm. than doing small increments of like 20 or 50 or whatever. Just because the conversion rate is best at 100, 
and you know that you're probably going to just have one of those. You you do, you want to avoid the nights where you get a little too drunk and keep buying 20 gems over and over again. You want to <laughs> go to the shop to yeah. buy gems like the like maybe a couple times a year. Like you want to avoid yeah, it as exactly. much as possible. So don't make it a habit where you have to look at your credit card statement after you play Magic. You don't want to do that. You want to know, all right, I, I invested $100 into this for this month, and then hopefully that'll carry you for at least six or something. So It's hard for me to say exactly because it's been so long, but it certainly used to be the case that if, if you're willing to put some money into it, the new player bundle is a very good deal. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's still the case because I bought my new player bundle like two years ago now or three years ago. Um, but I, I can't imagine why it wouldn't be. Um, just relative to how much gems cost and the amount you get in that deal for $5, I think it was, yeah. uh, back in the day. Um, it's an incredible deal. It's the best deal in the store. So don't go around just assuming the new player deal is some sort of scam. It's actually the it's opposite. Actually really it's good. trying to make you comfortable to whipping out your Visa card. Uh, so it, it offers you a really good price point uh, in yeah, order to it, convince you to do that. It's almost that free little bit of... Uh, the drug, you know, your little cardboard crack. Exactly. Digital. Yeah. <laughs> First um, one's on the house, you know. <laughs> though, um, so as Jeff was saying earlier, now we know how uh, expensive wild cards are, like 4 or $5 or mm-hmm. something. Um, so what do we always do, Jeff? What do we love doing in draft? Draft the rares. Yes. <laughs> people will tell you um, you are a bad drafter if you draft rares. What do we tell those people, Jeff? Oh, I don't know. Do we address them directly? They're wrong. Wrong. I, I was going to use some more colorful language, but then I'm like, yeah, there are a lot of nice people that say stuff like this. They're just they're just mistaken. Yes, mistaken. Um, and we've talked about this before, but it's, as you mentioned, even more true now that we know Watsy values rares at like four bucks. Um, the draft only costs you something like seven, seven fifty or, you know, we something went to like that on stream and I already, I already forget the number, but... You know, two rares, two rare wild cards is worth the draft, essentially, in, in how much gems you pay for it. And so, um, you know, the common, the best common in the pack is going to change your win percentage by such a small amount and, and might not even change it at all if you just don't happen to draw that card or the game doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, like, in order for that small difference in your deck quality to actually matter... You have to win a game that you would not have won without it. And that's already so unlikely. It's not zero, but it's unlikely. And it's not going to pay out the $4 that that rare is going to pay out. Or $6 for a mythic or whatever the, whatever the you know, exact mm-hmm. conversion of, of how many of those $50 are for the mythics and how many are for the rares. You, know, you could figure that out by figuring out how much more often one is, comes up than the other. But... Um, it's it's not either way it's not close the common is not worth anywhere near as much as the rare yeah um and with that being said like hey you don't have to spend wild cards if you have the card in your collection already so know what cards you're looking for for constructed when you go into draft you always have access mm-hmm. to the card image gallery. If you didn't know this, you can go to wizards, uh, I mean, wizardthecoast.com, whatever. Uh, when the set is out, all the card images are out. Uh, you can also go to Scryfall. That's a better resource. Scryfall has just a, amazing stuff there. So look through the set uh, by color and whatever rarity you want uh, through there. Um, and pick which rares you know you will not pass. 
if you see one of those, mm-hmm. for us, it is always rare lands. Rare lands, rare lands, yep. dual lands you don't own. Those are so important. Except even for the bad ones. Like even the snarls were on my list. Yeah. I, st- I still even drafted the snarls. So <laughs> um, I think the only exception might be with uh, Kamigawa, where I don't need more Basajus. So I like, I like having the one I have or the two, but I'm not looking for a playset necessarily. Um, but everything else, like all of the chill lands slash slow lands or whatever, anything, any of the main lands, all of those. They were very, very high on my never, ever Maybe pass not Dungeon this. Descent. Not fu- fuck Dungeon Descent. That card's fucking shit. <laughs> That's like on my always pass Always list. pass. Never pick up. Like, like even the if, $3 I'm going to get from I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing with this is that you, you want to make sure that you have an idea of what deck you're trying to build so that you can acquire some of the cards in the draft. Like I was picking up Light Paws when nobody would want it and pass it around and I would pick those up in drafts and then I could use it to play my kind of janky deck I wanted to play. Um, that is great. Please do that. Also, even if you don't have a full playset, which by the way, if you don't know, if you put, hit like control or like option or, on your computer, it'll tell you how many you have in your collection. It's alt on, on Windows, it's alt. So I think it's uh, option, which is alt on, on a, a Mac, so. okay. Um, so if you hit that button, if you hold it, it will tell you how many copies you currently own or there's a check mark telling you you have all four. And so that is a good tool to know if you have a full playset or not of a certain card. Anyway, um, but if you have a full playset of all the bad, like the really junk rares that are horrible, Dungeon Descent is one of them, you will never open that card in a pack that you get as a prize. So having more rares and play sets of rares is good because then the packs that you open will have cards you might actually want. So even the rares that are like, wow, I'm never going to play this, they're still worth it a lot of the time. Now, that that's when I tend to get a little closer to the, maybe I'll take the, the card that's better for my deck than the mm-hmm. rare that I'm certainly never going to play and only matters in terms of opening pack rares. Even still, I think I'm probably wrong. Like, it's probably still worth more money to take the rare. But it's just like, you know, it's it's a different feeling to take a rare you know, you're never going to play than a, yeah. than a common that's really awesome for your deck. Um, but I wouldn't even fault you for just always, if your policy was just always take the rare if there is one. Um, and the one quick thing I wanted to say is that this is another one of the reasons that we tend to recommend player drafts is that um, because of these mistaken folks out there telling people not to rare draft you tend to get more rares in a player draft i find than in a quick draft where the bots i think the bots rare draft so that wizards can save some value because um, you don't see yeah, to that see makes sense going around in quick drafts that's true so um a lot of times they can be junk rares in the set maybe it's like the mirror box or uh or the green march or the red march or whatever ones that you see going around all the time right now um if you don't have play sets of them, might as well take them. Hey, there's no harm, no foul. Yep, still worth picking them up. Good for you. Good for your collection. So, um, And your collection can be key, in, as we've seen through this entire discussion. Um, having a big collection gives you a lot of pivoting points. Because we didn't really mention it earlier, but uh, Arena can be really difficult if you like brewing decks. Because it's very yes. expensive to brew. And they did mention that is one of their pain points, I think, mm-hmm. right? That they understand yeah. that brewers hate it. Um, I mean, 
brewers just, you know, <laughs> magic's just going to be an expensive game. If you like to brew a bunch of different decks all the time, you need access to all the cards. That's, uh, yeah, there's no way around that. It is the kind of like, it's the Jeff problem where Jeff really liked brewing decks around cards nobody liked and were really, really cheap, like Dubious Challenge. Mm -hmm. And yep. <laughs> uh, in Arena, because every card is the same price, you, you, you have a harder time doing that because your gold span dragons are just as expensive as your whatever sister's yeah, to, call. Tough what, to buy a Dubious Challenge. Yeah, exactly. What's what's the white black enchantment that's kind of shitty that seems cool? Oh, though? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was um, my, my three point spirit. Right? Yeah, spirit sisters call or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same. Uh, it's the same kind of like they're they're as expensive as each other. They're they're the same price. So uh, do think of it that way, which is also a good thing. Remember that the economy, the way right. that it works, means that yes. Your gold span dragons are just as expensive as your junky mythic. So um, normally I wouldn't be able to buy and play a meta deck or a top tier deck or the best deck. But because everything costs the same, I can. Which is a very totally. big thumbs up. Good. Uh, I don't think I ever played a tier one deck until Arena came around. Yeah, I couldn't afford it. They were too expensive. And now mm -hmm. because of Arena, I can. So there are good things to the arena economy, um, but you will have to spend money for the most part. Um, though, as we mentioned before, Jeff uh, and I put together a uh, our own podcast account, and uh, Jeff, mainly Jeff, got it to Mythic. Um, <laughs> we did, yeah, and we got a tier one deck. Mm -hmm. So, and the idea was that we put zero dollars into it and just followed you know the advice we've given here basically i don't think we did anything special we just made sure to draft made sure to pick up rares we didn't do the players bundle or anything it was just uh draft nope, pick up rares not even that and build a, a sweet rogues deck so yeah i think we have most of like we did this around zendikar rising so uh you know it's, it's a little while ago now but i think we had most of the zendikar rising rares play sets of almost all of them at least and as Certainly all of the, like, relevant cards. Mm -hmm. Just from drafting. So um, mm -hmm. if you focus on these kinds of things and you're a newer player, um, if you're itching to get into Historic, it's going to cost you some money. But if you want to just slowly get into it, um, you can take some time. And I, my recommendation if you want to get into Historic is buy shock lands and check lands. Buy your lands first. Always. Right. So... Rare lands are And it would be a great idea for the new format, too. Because mm -hmm. whatever the new format is, it's probably going to have shock lands. It's probably going to have triomes. It's probably going to have, you know, the check lands. Mm -hmm. So pathways. All of these are just great investments where you you know your wild card is, is going to be put to use at some point. I can pretty much guarantee it, especially yeah. if you're a brewer. If you're a brewer and you don't have your, your lands cycles up, then every deck is going to seem so much more expensive. But if you just have the mana base... It's crazy how much, you know, more Cheaper. reasonable a deck looks on the wild cards. And, and, you know, if you're thinking like, oh, that's not so bad, it is a big investment, you know, getting all the shocks. Well, like that's 40 wild cards, something like that. Right. Yep. So same with the checks and all those. So unless you stick to a very specific two color pair, you can get away with a lot of shit. But if you want to play all the colors... Um, lands are huge so yeah and i probably would prioritize them based on like oh you know i 
when I was playing Arena at the start, I, I knew that I would be requiring Overgrown too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was number one priority for me get a play set of overgrown tombs then after that it's like well i I like sultai so maybe i'll get watery graves and then i'll get uh you know the breeding pools whatever and i sort of prioritized it in the order of my favorite color pairs Mm -hmm. so that i could get building a green black deck right away um but i still you know i still have four whatever temple gardens in my collection or you know like I, i have them all now but i did order them in such a way that I felt like I could get brewing right away with just the the first few. Totally. So um, those are some of our tips. Um, Either they seem very like obvious or not, but um, they're also a thing that uh, it's good to have those ideas because once you start drinking, you start forgetting stuff and you start being a little cheeky and you start (laughs) buying some, you know, cosmetics you don't need or, or whatever card styles. Oh, and I forget if we mentioned it, but um, never give them a thousand gold for a pack. Just oh, that. yeah. That's that's an option they have in the store. Don't do it. Yeah. It's not so, a good deal. I wanted to hear your take on this because they are making a new type of pack, which is a mythic pack. They cost okay. 1300 gold for a guaranteed mythic uh-huh. in the pack. That's supposed to help you with the rare complete problem where you have all the rares in a set but not the mythics, and this is a pack that's supposed to help you. Hmm. Off the top of my head, it still sounds like it's a bad deal because the 1,000 gold for the pack was off by so much. Like, it wasn't even close. Mm -hmm. The Mythic does go a long way. So is the Mythic instead of the Rare, or do I get a Rare and a Mythic? No. Do I get the option to spike two Mythics? No, 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 no. It's just... Oh, the Rare is just always a Mythic? The Rare is always a Mythic, or it's a Mythic Rare Wild card. Either, Either or. I would say this is a bad deal unless it's like... I have a playset of every mythic, and there's one that I just need, and mm-hmm. it's, this is a way to get it for thirteen hundred gold. You know, something like that. Okay. Um, otherwise, no. Like there are always more mythics in the set than you think. So if you're targeting a specific mythic rare, you're so unlikely to get it because you always think, oh, there's like five mythics in the set. There's like fifty. So there's always you're just yeah. Not gonna get it. There's twenty or more. I think they usually be doing right. twenty five. Uh, so if you think a okay. playset of 25 is 100, so um, you need to get 100 right. Mythics. Yeah, yeah. So when I said there are 50, I mean you probably need 50-something to like mm. finish your collection. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like every time I look at how many I'm missing, it's like in the 50s. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, yeah. what? I thought I was close. <laughs> nope. You're not. <laughs> so um, anyway, those are our thoughts on the arena economy. And this uh, announcement, it kind of ended up being, we were going to talk about some other stuff, but maybe we'll just save that for next week. Um, but uh, Jeff, hey, let's go to last call, you know. I think we're, we're getting towards the end. Yeah, let's do, do it. Do you have any last thoughts? I always got to ask you, do you have last thoughts before we go to last call? Yeah, I mean, my last thought was just uh, just some sympathy for you. Really hope you turn, down your, turn around your drafting, uh, <laughs> your drafting luck here. Um, three in a row two wins that's tough stuff so yeah and the two came the best in in your next draft thank you that's nice the two came at the very beginning uh i went two three then oh three then oh three uh so that's the opposite of how i i play in a tournament i usually lose right away and then uh, then then win out so that it lasts as long as possible and then Mm -hmm. lose the win in it yeah um yeah so there was no hope for me that was a bummer, but uh, hey, I am uh, might draft 
I don't know. I, I'm a little broken, but I'll get back. I'll get back. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Jeff, as we're starting to rate our beers, let us go through our beer rating system, which, uh, you know, is not as objective. It's more subjective. We, um, uh, it's all about what we feel like at the time, <laughs> which is great. So it is a uh, mirrors the tiers in arena. So we rate beers on a scale of bronze to mythic. And uh, this has nothing to do with wherever you are in your tier journey. As we were saying before, sometimes it's great to fall into the lower tiers, give us a little boost. And uh, sometimes we feel like we're, you know, at heart, I'm probably very strongly like a gold platinum player because uh, those are kind of the places I feel most comfortable. Um, definitely not a, not a huge mythic player. So we've been in all the different places at different times. Uh, don't... Uh, don't feel bad about where you are based on what we are going to say about these beers. But the bronze beers are fucking trash. They're horrible. You spit them out. You never buy them. You tell people, stay away from this fucking <laughs> peanut butter milkshake bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get over that one, will you? No. Uh, silver. Uh, basically, these beers are just, if you shrug your shoulders, tilt your head to the side after drinking it. I was like, that was a silver beer. You know, it's usually a macro beer macro brew or like a micro brew that just had nothing going on gold beers are fine but you won't really drink them again they're kind of like oh that you know you, you were talking and didn't even really notice that you were drinking it you're like oh yeah that was uh, <laughs> yeah. forgettable platinum is uh the next level up from that they're solid you drink this again um but you know you're not uh your, your mind isn't blown. Diamond beers are exceptional, and you would recommend these to your friends. You really like these. You like to keep them in your fridge and bring them to parties. And the Mythic are the absolute best. These are the beers that you won't stop talking about, or uh, if it's if you're anything like me, you bought four of them last week, and you've been, like, rationing them. Or two weeks ago, when did we It was that? last week, yeah. Rationing them so that I don't drink them all too fast, because <laughs> I only have one left already. But... Uh, yeah, these are just top-notch. Top-notch. All right, Jeff. Do you know which one you're going to pick for this evening? Sure do. All right, here we go. On the end of the count, I can't even remember. It's uh, at one or three or whatever I'm going to say whenever we when we normally say it. So here we go. Three, two, one. Ephus. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I knew we were going to pick this one. How would we not pick this one? It's a brown ale. We love brown ales. So. Yep. Yep. And it's yep. a good good brown ale. So It's a good one. You know. So we start with when it's a unanimous decision, we always start with the winner. Let's talk about so, it. So uh, you you brought Ephis. Uh, so what do you what do you think? Does I it live up to your your memories of, of the draft and draft uh, nights. It it lives up to what I remember it being, which I think is like good. I think it's a good beer. Yeah. I like it. Um I I do tend to recommend it to people because it's one that I just like think about often when I think about whenever I think about left field this is the beer I think about almost exclusively. Um, it might be changing a little bit because I've I've seen more of their products around and people have talked and it seems like Greenwood is one of their like flagship ones. So just in memory I might just think of Greenwood, but uh, this is the one I personally think I connect with the most. Um, though through drinking it, I think it is nice but it is not my favorite brown ale. So, um, no. but I, I, I do think it is good, and uh, the, the oatmeal does 
uh, does it give it a creaminess? I can't even tell. In my mind, it's just a brown ale. I don't even think about the oatmeal. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Jeff, what do you think about this beer? Yeah, so I do get a bit of creaminess from it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I didn't know it was an oatmeal brown ale until we just did this. Like, I just remembered it as a brown ale. Mm -hmm. And so I was explicitly, you know, on the hunt for for the oatmeal in this one. I don't get like a lot of flavor from it, but I think just what you said, it adds sort of like a frothiness almost to mm -hmm. it. Yeah, this one's good. Um, I do have, similar to you, you know, positive experience, like memories of it. Because uh, I remember going to Draft and Draft and they had it. And I remember thinking, oh, they have a brown ale on tap. That's great. Because not a lot of places have a brown ale on tap. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, in the end, I almost never ordered it because they had Fain du Monde at the same price. And so <laughs> that sort of, sort of won out for me. But I did order it a few times in the early days and have good memories of it just being a nice brown ale. Um, but like you said, I've since had better brown ales for sure. Mm -hmm. It is hard to, like, you know, separate the nostalgia of just, you know, this might have been one of the first brown nails I had in Toronto kind of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, same. Uh, and it is good, right? It's not bad. It's good. Um, but I think I it I feels... think I, I want to give it diamond, but my but brain is telling me that it's platinum. <laughs> that is where I'm at. It feels really solid. It feels like a solid beer. Mm -hmm. Um, I do like it. I will definitely drink it again. Um, but it's not, it, there are a lot of other feelings that connect with it, but not enough nostalgia that's going to push it up a tier. Um, yeah, it would have to, there would have to be a lot. I think like, I on. thought I was going to give it diamond coming into this. Basically. I also think I thought that, but there's something on the, like the very beginning, the first sip, the, the beginning of the, Whatever that's called. I don't know. It's not the nose, but whatever the... Just the yeah, very yeah. first bit of when you drink it is like just not exactly what I want. And then it finishes nicely, but it always throws me off a little bit. So, yeah, this is definitely platinum. Platinum. But, uh... Platinum. Platinum. All right. Hello, friends. How do you feel about this IPA? I guess the, the best word I have for this is just, like, unremarkable. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't feel any particular kind of way about it. Uh, I know that's not a very helpful review, but um, it just is sort of your go-to. Your go-to IPA just tastes like an IPA. Yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. I think I liked it better than um, Greenwood, maybe. Maybe just because it's different. <clears throat> and it, I think it's like 5% I certainly liked higher. it better than that Moonshine one or whatever. The Moonshot. No, Moonshot was good. I liked Moonshot. <laughs> um, I liked oh. Moonshot better than this one, but... Uh, but this one, I also felt like it does. I'm in the. It's too, I I feel like it is platinum in my mind, but I also could forget yeah. about it pretty easily. I was gonna go low platinum on it, mm -hmm. and I I was like, if he t tries to talk me down to gold, I will not put up a fight. <laughs> like, I'll yeah. like, yeah, you're right, it's gold. Um, you, you know, it's just it's tough with IPAs because it's such a competitive category. There's it's so true. many IPAs, so many good ones too, that. Uh, this one's probably totally fine, but I, I just remember being underwhelmed when I mm -hmm. drank it, uh, being like, "Oh, it's it tastes like a you know sort of that that juicy fruit forward style thing, and that's about it." Yeah, which is what I like in IPA, so I think that's what kind of drew me to it a bit more. 
because uh, it's like, oh, this is an IPA style that I do like. So, um, yeah, so, you know, low platinum um, could fall into gold depending on if I drink it in the next year, um, which, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know. We'll, we'll have to review. Exactly. <laughs> Did we drink it again? But uh, sweet. All right. Wow. Platinums. We haven't really had a... Uh, just platinums all around. Crazy. It's been a while since we've had just like all, both of our beers are just kind of the same uh, realm. But really happy to, to wrap up our uh, left field tap takeover. It's been a whole month. I think it was four weeks. So feels good. Feels real nice. Uh, Jeff, let's go to closing time. Closing time. Closing time. And um, if you out there, listener have uh, an idea for a tap takeover that you'd like us to do for the next uh, month or whenever. Probably won't be this one, but uh, who knows. Um, just send us over your, your recommendations at uh, Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, you may also find us on our totally free-to-play account, Arena Regulars Podcast on MTG Arena itself. If you want to find me personally or want to become a friend of mine on MTG Arena, I guess you could if you'd, you'd like, um, you can find me at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter, Instagram, and Arena. But Jeff, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter. It's Blues Brews MTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. My Arena account doesn't have the MTG in it. So if you play against Blues Brews, that's me. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. Leave us a review there because you can. Um, we really appreciate... Uh, you listening and you could subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave a comment, find us anywhere. Uh, if you talk to us, we will talk to you. So um, don't, uh, don't be shy. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that we just made it through the entirety of episode 69 without making a joke about it. Good night. <laughs> All right, that's fine. <laughs>